Go. Good evening, everybody, and welcome to High Spirits. I'm Jay Stegman, and with me, as always, is my pal... Noelle Schmidt. That's right. We here at High Spirits, we drink alcohol, and we talk about ghosts. Paranormal things. Uh Uh-huh. Ghouls. Goblins. Tall men. Uh Uh-huh. Trolls. Yep. Have we talked about trolls yet? We have not. Okay. Um, That will probably be in your... That's I tend that's a you. The, I tend to go with the more <laughs> mythological type yeah. things because I like that stuff. Yeah, mine's gonna be you know probably just like a little sadder and a little bit more real. Yours is gonna be about real people who died. Yeah, <laughs> that's probably what's gonna happen in a very tragic, unfortunate way. Now I'm already concerned about what we're doing. You're covering up your notes with a napkin. Oh my god! I just realized that you did that. Because here's the thing: you're not you're not gonna like it. Damn it. <laughs> You're going to be sad. All right. Well, we were going to look something up for the last episode. Oh. Oh, the something in Batoon. The Batoon something. Yeah. Uh, Before you do that, um, you can do that while I'm talking about my sad thing. Yeah. Um, Noelle, what are you drinking? I'm drinking uh, uh, Bodegas Belgrano. Okay. It's a Malbec. It's a Malbec. From Argentina. 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 Yeah. Um, If you're new to the show, uh, I should mention that um, we here at High Spirits are sponsored by uh, liquor companies who give us booze so we can talk about them on the show. Um, I (laughs) Not true at all. Right. (laughs) (laughs) We, this all comes out of our pocket. But if you want to start providing (laughs) us with booze, we will drink it and we will, um, even if we don't like it, we will promote you. Sure. And I will only half grown if it's disgusting. <laughs> no, I'll, no, I'll be like full tilt. Like this is you know garbage. What? I. It takes a lot. It takes a lot for me to not drink a bottle of wine. <laughs> I'm just saying. It takes like a, that. Takes a lot. Um, what you have to be like uh, going upside down on a roller coaster? No, it just has to be really bad. Oh, okay. So it's not a spilling thing. It's just it just has to. Be. It has to be really bad. No, I would love to be able to drink wine on a roller coaster because that would be amazing. Okay, that's like everything that you ever wanted. Um, I am drinking I uh, Misfit IPA from the Wild Onion Brewery right here uh, in Chicago. Misfit IPA, Sugar Skull. I like it. Oh yeah, you've had that before. Uh huh. Um. All right, the Misfit of Mattoon. We were going to report back on, and we're going we. I don't think I've posted this to our Facebook page yet, but we can. Um, the Mad Gasser of Mattoon. It's also known as the Anesthetic Prowler. Fritz, the Phantom Anesthetist. The Mad Gasser of Roanoke, or simply the Mad Gasser, was the name given to the person or people believed to be responsible for a, a series of apparent gas attacks. <laughs> okay. Sorry, I'm turning into a 12-year-old boy. Uh, turning into one. That occurred in uh, Bo- Botetourt County, Virginia during the 1930s and in Mattoon, Illinois during the mid-1940s. Interesting. Whether the attacks were anything more than a case of mass hysteria, if the individual's report individual reports were connected, the ultimate explanation of the events all remain de- debated. So, gas attacks in the early 1930s and 40s. Okay. Well. Mad Gasser of Mattoon. That's kind of a cool name. That is. My hometown is actually near Mattoon, Illinois. Oh, I didn't I didn't even know that was the place. Well, I didn't know that that was <laughs> what that was going to refer to. I might have said something earlier. Do we have anything else that we need to cover, talk about, apologize for? I feel like we apologize a lot. Yeah. I'm um, fine. I still won't apologize for talking about sports. 
<laughs> no, nor should you. And here's the thing. Here's I, I just want to say this because yeah. I've been clearly thinking about it a lot. Yeah. Uh, if you saw me in person, you'd be like, that girl doesn't like sports. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. I mean, like, you like sad, scary things. <laughs> I had somebody uh, that I sort of work with. I don't remember what he said. Like, oh, shoot, I wish I could remember the con- conversation. And he was like, because you're a goth? And I was like, listen, buddy, that is, like, well past my time. Yeah, I know. I was probably a When in doubt, though, that's... But it kind of caught me off guard because I was like, nobody's called me that. And... Since I've called you that, like, two weeks ago. <laughs> yeah, but you just call me that. And yeah, I accept I that. Yeah. But I kind of was, like, stammered my words a little bit. Yeah. And I was like... Well, oh. fuck that guy. That's how I call you. Only my best friend could call me that, mister. He calls you something else. <laughs> um, all right, so we're going to get into uh, ghostesses. You want a ghost? Yeah, I guess. What is that for? Because they know I'm going to be sad. You're not going to be sad. It's fine. It's a, it's a totally fine story of uh, mayhem, disaster, and terror. I like mayhem. Great. <laughs> <laughs> One out of three of these things are gonna de- is going to delight you. All right, cool. All right, today we're talking about uh, the Great Chicago Fire. Come on, really? What do you mean? Is this just to satisfy that sports person because we don't talk about Chicago enough? No, I... I uh, okay. No, we're going to talk about um, the Great Chicago Fire. This is... I feel like this is a two-parter. No, it's a one-parter. All right. We can't do two-parters. Remember what happened last time? <laughs> <laughs> Never again. Well, Never. we can do it on a different day. I mean, I guess. <laughs> but we're here. Okay. Um, <clears throat> so, some things you just need to know. Um, in 1871, Chicago was a boom town. Mm-hmm. It had become one of the fastest growing cities in America. And because of this, uh, construction standards had been loose. Beyond the downtown area, the city was miles and miles of rickety structures. Wooden, I should say. A.K.A. the brown line. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> uh, most of the working class neighborhoods consisted of wooden cottages and tenement houses. Um, all of which were made of... Uh, uh, all of which were made dangerous um, in the event of a fire. Basically, it would just be like your house would burn down and the fire would jump to the next house, would jump to the next house. Okay. The Chicago Fire Department at this time um, was very busy. They were putting out a ton of fires. Fires Fire, at that time, if it wasn't dysentery or cholera, fire was going to get right. you. Okay. Okay. Um, more than uh, two-thirds of the structures in Chicago at the time uh, were made entirely of wood. Uh, and most of them were topped with a highly flammable tar uh, that they used for shingles mm. on their rooftops. That seems smart. Yep. All the city sidewalks and many roads were also made of wood. Okay. And just to give you um, <clears throat> some things to set some context, in 1871, the Chicago Fire Department had 180 firefighters with just 17 horse-drawn steam engines to protect the entire city. That doesn't seem like enough. It's not enough. So, wait, can we talk about... Okay, can I say the, one more thing real fast? Yeah. Just to set the tone. This is my last fact on the ground. Uh, okay. From July 4th to October 9th, 1871, Chicago had received only one inch of rain. Let me repeat that again. Oh. From July 4th to October 9th, 1871, Chicago had gone through an incredibly severe drought. That's not good. One inch of rain that entire time. Uh, Chicago was a wooden tinderbox waiting to explode. I don't like Noel. that. All right. So uh, as far as like the fire trucks, uh-huh. we didn't have 
vehicles yet, like automobiles. Horse-drawn. Everything's horse-drawn. Uh-huh. We don't have, obviously, fire hydrants. Are you going to get into all of this, my no. jumping ahead? Um, we didn't have the fire hydrants yet. So they didn't have the hoses that they could hook up. So everything is based on, like, buckets of water? Um, like, how are they putting out... some hoses, but mostly mostly it's a bucket brigade. How are they... Okay, so they're, it's like, it, it is like a factory of buckets. Like, yeah. or like they're passing I it along. I suppose... I mean, I didn't, I didn't look into this, but I suppose there could have been um, some sense of hydraulics that they could have had a hose pressure system coming out of the river. But we'll talk about the river in just a sec, because okay. the river became a problem. But it's more or less an assembly line of, like, passing down the bucket to, like, throw into the Yeah, fire. it's, 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 um... Using the lake and the river as water sources and okay. doing your best to do your best. That is miserable. Yeah. And those poor horses. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They must have been, like, blinded and burnt. Oh, no. I'm going to be so sad about the horses when <laughs> I continue. Oh, no. Um, I uh, won't talk about them. Animal violence hurts me. Yeah. I know. We, I won't talk about them. I mean, if you have to, we should. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so here's a summary. I'm just getting it all out here at the top, so there's no, like, um, dramatic tension for Noel. Is that cool? Could I just say what happened? I mean, yeah, I know what happened. Okay, so here's the summary. It's in the um, history books, dude. Okay, all right. Before they were modified. <laughs> by Texas. By Texas. <laughs> no apologies to you, Texas. What the fuck? Um, <laughs> Sorry. Controversial. I can't help it. I can't help it. I'm bitter about things. So, the fire burned uh, in the city of Chicago from Sunday, October 8th to early Tuesday, October 10th, 1871. Two days. Two days. Um, The city determined that the fire destroyed an area of about four miles. This included more than 73 miles of roads. That's a lot. So many miles. Uh, The fire killed up to 300 people. That said, it's hard to know because of incinerated bodies. There were bodies that... Like, I feel like in all my research, if this happened in 2017, we know a lot more. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, uh, they, yeah. But this is this is kind of what we were talking about during the American Airlines thing. Um, and if you would have heard me on it, you would have known <laughs> that I I contributed. Um, <laughs> uh, but no, it's kind of like this is a little bit different in the way that. The technology wasn't there, so people could have, like, if they were in debt or they were trying to get out of, like, a bad marriage or, sure. what, or like, skip out on their family or whatever, they could have just, like, skipped out of town um, and started a new life somewhere, and people would have just presumed that they were dead in the fire. For sure. Because there's no accounting for people. And there were other people who, um, this is 1871, and if you know your Chicago history, which I assume that you do, um, that many people were immigrants. Um, they had left their families behind in um, Ireland, um, in Italy, in Germany. Um, um, Chica- and they may not have been, had anybody else in the city to account for them. So they could have uh, been incinerated and no one was like, hey, right. Giuseppe's missing. Well, in Chicago at this time in 1871 was also like, not necessarily like the prestigious city to go to. Like it was kind of, oh. it was, yeah. it was definitely... Um, the place for a lot of criminal activity and uh, it was really smelly. That's changed so much. So much. It was very, very smelly. Yeah, that's changed too. Yeah. Um, 
it's actually exactly the same as that was. <laughs> I, mean, I, don't, um, I don't know where you're going with this. No, but I'm saying like it wasn't like you're like small, it sprawling streets of garbage. It was well, yeah. That's the thing. Like we didn't the alley system wasn't necessarily in place, so people just threw their trash in the streets, similar to what happens in New York. Um, but it wasn't like as metropolitan as a lot of the cities in New England were at the time. That's true. Uh, it was still very cutthroat and like dog eat dog. So it was a it was a very different city than it is. It w- it became after, allegedly. Allegedly. <laughs> um. So the fire killed up to three hundred people. Again, hard to know. Um. Of the uh, three hundred thousand inhabitants of the city at that time, one hundred thousand were left homeless. Wow. One in three. More than seventeen thousand structures were destroyed. In our time money, in our time money, which is a really weird way to say that, but uh, in 2017 money, this uh, 1871 disaster caused more than um, $222 million in damage. In our time. In our time. And how much was it then? Don't know. That's so much. penny. (laughs) Inflation, (laughs) y'all. Yeah, no, I don't know how to do that. Um, I just looked up what it was in our time. That's... That's crazy. That's so much money. <laughs> Two bits. <laughs> this is kind of like when um, in superhero movies, when they get into a fight with the bad guy and they just like destroy the city. Yeah. And you're like, you know what? Fuck it. That would cost a lot of money. Let's just not. Let's just like kill the city because the rebuilding it is too much. Mm-hmm. That's how I feel every time I watch one of those movies. I'm like, ugh, can you just do this out in a farm field? Right. God damn it. They all take place here in Chicago or New York. Um, um, actually, it's like Metropolis or Metropolis. I can't even say yeah. words. Gotham City. Metropolis and Gotham Metrop- City. Yeah. It's not. They're not real places. Yeah, but Gotham is Chicago. And Metropolis is New York. Yeah. But they're not real. Okay. Okay. Cool. Thanks for the correction. <laughs> <laughs> it still upsets me to watch it in the movies. Um. And just some other summary facts. Uh, the disaster prompted an outbreak of looting and lawlessness. Okay. Uh-huh. So after the fire, companies of soldiers were summoned to Chicago, and martial law was declared on October 11th. Um, this martial law was lifted after uh, several weeks. So those are just some things you should know before we start getting into this. Understood. Okay. So let's talk about the fire itself. Um, the Great Chicago Fire began on the night of October 8th in or around the barn located on the property of Patrick and Catherine O'Leary at 137 DeCoven Street. I don't know where that is. Um, it's a bit on the southwest side. It is uh, quasi off a of Halstead near-ish Hull House. Okay. Kind of. I had a friend from high school whose last name was DeCoven. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> now y'all know. Um, due to an error by a watchman, his name is Matthias Schaefer, uh, the firefighters were initially sent to the wrong place. Oh, it's like that school thing again. Yeah. Damn it. Mm-hmm. God damn it. They didn't go to the right place. Um, I will say this. Um, there have been, uh, a lot of fires in Chicago. Um, I talked about that one inch of rain. And we're talking July, August, September, October. Right. Four months, one inch of rain. That right. ain't like us. Mm-mm. We had like five inches of rain today. I mean, Something I feel like, like it that. never stops raining now. No. 
Um, so this was dry, dry, dry. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so the previous day on October 7th, uh, four blocks of the city had burned down. Wow. So they already, we already had a huge fire. At this time, that was the hugest fire. And so... And they just couldn't, <clears throat> they couldn't contain it because all they had were buckets of water. No, they did contain it. Oh. But here's the problem. So the new fire uh, started on October 8th. Sunday, October 8th. Okay. So the old fire <laughs> was extinguished on October 7th. Mm-hmm. Four blocks of the city burned in this fire. So why I'm bringing this up is this fire was the biggest so far, and it left the fire department exhausted. So they had basically exhausted all their resources. Mm-hmm. So not only did they go to the wrong place initially, but they were also um, slow to respond to the alarm at DeCoven Street because they were depleted. Got it. Okay. Yeah. So these men <laughs> just were nonstop fighting fires. Um, I'm going to give you a play-by-play real fast. Uh, by 10.30 that evening of October 8th, uh, it was reported the, that the fire was officially out of control. Um, a strong dry wind from the southwest made matters even worse. Um, if you want to call Chicago the Windy City, today was the Windy City. It really, yeah. really, really fucking was. They were probably looking at like 30, 40 mile per hour winds. This day or today? Today. Not today. Sorry. Oh, okay. That uh, October, day. October. Yeah. October 8th, 1871. Okay. It was coming in strong. I was like, so. today was very mild. I don't no, know what you're no, talking no. about. Today, I mean, October 8th, I 1871. See. Okay. Um, it what seemed like minutes, miles, and factories along the river were on fire. Additional buildings um, hit by fiery missiles from the main blaze also began burning from the top to the bottom. Okay. There's a thing called a fire whirl, which I... Did you know a fire whirl? Um, I've, I've heard the term before, and it kind of, like, s- spins it and shoots it out, right? I had never heard of this before, but you're totally right. Yeah, it's terrible. So, uh, Chicago had a fire whirl. Um, as, more bur- as more buildings began to... Uh, go into flames um a major contributing factor to the fire spread was a meteorological 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 phenomenon known as a fire whirl uh as overheated air rises it comes into contact with cooler air and it begins to spin creating basically a fire tornado mm-hmm. which is what you described yeah. Um, these fire whirls are what likely drove flaming debri- debris so high and so far. Yeah. And with the dry air, uh-huh. it's just going to uh, it's gonna pick up and uh, it's terrible. Sorry. In just over an hour, the west side of the city was in ashes. And at that point, the fire showed no signs of slowing down. It jumped. Now, here's a weird thing. The uh, uh, firemen thought it was going to stop at the river water, mm-hmm. but it didn't because of the fire whirl. It jumped the Chicago River and then just kept pushing. Wow. The fire engulfed buildings on Jackson and Franklin Streets. The Southside gas, work burst into, gas Works burst into flames, creating a new and larger center for the fire. Now, at this point, and I remember how the firemen were counting on the Chicago River. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, uh, <clears throat> the grease and oil-covered Chicago River... Because of all this stuff, all the debris yeah. landed in. Yeah. The Chicago River caught fire. And the surface of the water shimmered with heat and flames. Wow. Yeah. Um, the fiery river then shot flames. So not only did the river not stop it, it mm-hmm. actually exacerbated it. It shot flames uh, to the banks and office buildings along LaSalle Street. You know LaSalle Street? You know all the banks are there? I do. Yep. 
the fires then swept through Wells, Market, and Franklin Streets, igniting more than 500 buildings. Wow. Uh, the Tribune building at that time, it was called Fireproof. Is that, was it in a different location than it is now? Not sure. Okay. Because now it's like, it's not in the heart of downtown. It's, it's east. Yeah. 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 So it must have, they must have moved. I think they moved it. They so have, this is 1871. Yeah. Uh, email us if you know. I mean, I could probably. We could probably. Find look it. I was trying to find too, <laughs> too much stuff. When I was but talking. if you want to tell us and save us some time on the Google. Yeah. HighSpiritChicago at uh, gmail.com. Thanks. Anyway, uh, the Tribune <laughs> building was fireproof. Uh, on this show, we talk a lot about Fireproof. Uh, um, Not that movie that was made by the Kirk Cameron people. Oh, no. I am just I just mean anytime okay. someone says, like, unsinkable or fireproof. Yeah, you're talking about those, like, eschatological my dad's, religious my stuff. My dad's really into those. I imagine so. Uh, no, we're talking about, yeah, whenever you, you hear or you see it written as fireproof or unsinkable that means quite the opposite yeah it means get out get out run the fuck away uh the original palmer house and the original marshall fields buildings burnt to the ground i didn't know that about the palmer house palmer house actually had only been open for two weeks until it was burnt completely to the ground well the new one's beautiful so that new one is actually the third one oh i didn't know any of that i didn't know any of that either (laughs) Well, I'm the third one, killing it. Killing it. I know. I found that out today. I was like, the Palmer House. Wait a second. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that, that place is cursed with disaster. If you have any, have any um, ghostly information about the Palmer House. Yeah. Uh, actually, lots of people do. It's we should. We should. My parents stayed there once. It's. It's. The lobby is just gorgeous. It's beautiful. The, the rooms are very small. Yeah. It's European. It's yeah, but it's a stunning building, um, and it's really close to Michigan Avenue and Grant Park and all that mm-hmm. business. Um, but we should, yeah, we should maybe do like a little ghosting there sometime. A little live from maybe, perhaps, perhaps. Uh, in the early morning uh, hours of Monday, which is October ninth, uh, the fire reached the courthouse. Uh, which stood in the block surrounded by LaSalle, Clark, Randolph, and Washington. Um, a burning timber lambert landed on the building's wooden cupola and soon turned into a fire that blazed out of control. The building was ordered evacuated. Now, I find this next part interesting, only because you and I love true crime. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Eventually, uh, uh, initially, they... <laughs> I don't mean to laugh. I laugh because it's awkward. They left the fucking prisoners in there. Oh, my God. That's terrible. How terrible is that? Oh. So this building is totally on fire. I have shivers all over me. And the and the prisoners were left behind. Do you think... So... I, and I don't know how much in detail they got with this. And really, if that would be the truth or not. Do you think they made an effort? Or they were like, fuck them? Like No, they did, they're, actually. They're criminal? They did? Yeah. Okay. I was very surprised to find this out, but like uh, the the first, I actually did like uh, cross reference like eight articles because you know how I am, right? Because um, one of them just said that the prisoners were left there, and the other one said that they let all the prisoners go. But the actual truth of it is, they evacuated the building. They thought about the prisoners later. Mm-hmm. The prisoners, in the meantime, had begun to scream and shake the bars of their cells as smoke filled the air. Ugh. Um. Uh. Hopefully they died of asphyxiation. They did not die. Oh, I'm sorry. You, I, I'll stop talking. No, you're fine. Um, 
because uh, let's say uh, the better part of mankind saw through the light that day. Okay. Um, uh, people went in to save the prisoners. There so, were people who were like, just fuck it. Like, they, they're in the courthouse for a reason. Right. Um, we don't care. And they were in, like, holding cells. So they weren't even, like, convicted criminals. No, they were just in the basement. They were in, in the, the basement, basement. So they were, like, up for trial yes. in, like, those holding cells. So they were not even, like, possibly guilty of whatever crime they were. They were just, like, arrested. Sure. They were, like, oh, probably a bunch of drunks. Maybe. And thieves. Like, you know, shoplifters, shit like that. Maybe. Mur- maybe one murderer. I mean, they could have been, yeah, I mean, like, I don't <laughs> and know. And one murderer. And one murderer. Um, but yes, the, the, the better nature of mankind saw through. And um, uh, men who, there were men who originally were like, whatever, just let, yeah. them, let them die. And, but men who saw better ran downstairs, uh, heard the screams and cries of the prisoners, and um, set them free. That's incredible. And then they now, ran away and like got away with their crime. And well, I have to tell you this: this is this was actually fairly interesting. Um, I read this elsewhere that that while that was happening, there were a few who actually were extremely dangerous and who okay. they were worried about, and so they did set them free, but they shackled them. Okay, and ran them out of the building. All right. Well. At least they, like, preserved their lives. That's, right? I was very concerned when I heard that. I was no, like, that's, oh. like, there are, few, there are few things these days that really, like, restore my faith in humanity. And hearing something like that, especially in, like, 1871 Chicago, which yep. was kind of like a Wild West place. Really? <laughs> very much so. That's really, really amazing and wonderful. And I love hearing that. Yep. Uh, around this time, uh, the State Street Bridge leading to the north side also caught fire, uh, and soon that fire began to devour the area of the north side of the river. Soon, stables, warehouses, and breweries were also burning, and then the fire swept into luxurious res- the uh, luxurious residential district, destroying mansions on Cass, Huron, Ontario, Rush. I'm sorry, Ontario, Rush, and Dearborn streets. So that would so be all those- the Gold Coast area that we. Ye- sort of a little bit, little bit south like of south Coast. of there, but uh-huh. like kind of River like, Northy. Yep. Yep. Uh, by 3 a.m. that morning, the pumps at Waterworks on Pine Street had been destroyed. And uh, by Monday evening, the only intact structure for blocks was the Gothic Stone Water Tower. Now so the water, water tower never burned down. Nope. And there's the water tower and the architectural water tower still on, on yeah. um, uh, Michigan. Michigan. Yep. They both survived the fire. Oh. And actually, that's a ghost story later on. Okay. They both, yeah, they survived the fire for a very specific reason. Oh. Because ghosts kept it alive. Uh, they were blowing on the fire. Men kept men kept them alive. Ghosts blowing. And those ghosts became, or sorry, those men became ghosts. That's sad. Yeah. Well, I mean. <laughs> I just like the idea of the ghosts turning into vapor <laughs> and blowing up the fire. Okay. Uh, okay, so the fire began to die on Monday morning. Uh, sorry, not on Monday morning. We already did Monday. The fire began to die on the morning of October 10th. So we went from October 8th to October 10th. Um, and the reason the fire was starting to die down is because it started to rain. Finally. Finally, after all this fucking time, it, ran- it, it rained and it actually... If you're going to believe in a greater being, that's when that's you believe. That's the day. That's the day. Right? It rained yeah. one inch in four months, and then finally on the third day of the fire, 
the rain was steady and soaking. Yep, that's the day. Yep. Like, cause that's miraculous. Yep. The whole thing would have gone down because they could not get it together. Yep. But this guy, this guy came and took down the fire. Yep. Um. So, here's something that I found out, and I think this is kind of interesting because I. Well, I should never say something is interesting beforehand. I realize I do that a lot. I do that too. We so, both do it. It's okay. <laughs> Uh, while the reconstruction, so the reconstruction of Chicago began immediately, mm-hmm. like a week later. Um, but while the reconstruction of Chicago began, the fire, the police and fire departments combed the rubble, right? They were trying to figure out who died, who was there, where are the bones, right? blah, blah, blah. It was very hard for them. 1871, I mean... There's just so much debris and so much stuff. It just didn't really happen. For well, them. and just think about, like, the tools that they had to go through uh-huh. that stuff. Because it's pretty much like, um, this is a horrible comparison. And I'm sorry that I'm doing this. But I feel like it's the only, like, close thing that I can compare it to. But, like, with 9-11, at least, when they had to, like, go through the rubble and start going through that stuff, they had, um, they had like, machinery that could lift things up for them where they weren't like sifting through it um where in the late 1800s that just didn't exist like Mm -hmm. everything was horse-drawn um so they were doing all of this with their hands yep not easy work and yeah it's exhausting and i'm sure that alone like killed men Uh uh-huh and it's just it's yeah awful it's terrible. Here's what I found out. They did not, they never, they couldn't, they did not compile a list of the dead. They didn't know enough. But I found something interesting, and this was a dig deep. <laughs> like, it took forever, and I was like, ooh. When it finally came up, I was so excited. Um, they actually uh, came up with a, uh, uh, there were some lists of names and locations where um, people survived. And um, a lot of this is stored in the Chicago Historical Society. So they posted their names somewhere? Like, if it's like, I'm alive, I'm here? Um, I'm not sure exactly how this went down. I think it was just police and fire departments. Okay. Finding these people. Um, so, uh, anyway, there's a there's a list in... in uh, okay. Well, this is interesting, and I'll get to it later. Um, right now, the Chicago, the Chicago Historical Society, which is our historical society right now, mm-hmm. wasn't the historical society back then. Okay. That was actually Excalibur, the nightclub. Right, 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 right. I yeah. knew that. Um, but now, um, in our current historical society, which is like uh, Clark and um, uh, North Avenue, mm-hmm. has this partial list of names, and it was posted in the um, Chicago Tribune. And... Nope, I don't know how to do it on this okay. phone. Okay. Um, phone. So here's a sample of uh, a few of the survivors. Um, and I'm just going to read a couple of these because I thought they were interesting. Okay. John Hutton, Chicago University, 72 East Van Buren Street. Jane Hall, 587 State Street. Here's um, one that is just like, I'm not sure a boy two years old well-dressed is at number 190 Blue Island Avenue oh man yeah here's another how many parents but how many parents like rushed up to that kid I mean like right here's another one my child's (laughs) well-dressed a colored girl aged two and a half is at the home of the friendless so many things wrong with that they actually called an orphanage the home of the friendless 
Um, Mr. Saunders, clerk for General Hardy, wishes his mother to call 420 Wabash Avenue. Oh, man. Um, but for those kids, though, too, like, I'm sorry to go back to that. It just, like, like to be two and a half years old and be wandering about and, like. I mean, that's crazy. It's crazy. Yeah, two, two and a half. And, like, somebody just snatches you up and how terrifying and awful. You don't recover from that shit. You're not going to like this one, then. Henry O'Hallen, aged four years, and a little girl, no name, uh, three years, are at the Home of the Friendless. Home of the Friendless did a pretty good job, it sounds like, during this fire. I mean, it's great that they were there. Yep. Because they were prepared, like, they know how to deal with children, and, like, that's the the obvious place you take them is to the orphanage. Mm -hmm. Also, thank you, uh... Eliza Hamilton for starting orphanages. Yeah. 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 She did that. She Mm -hmm. did that. Um, Two more survivors. Joshua Prescott and four children at the home, uh, 595 Wentworth Avenue. And finally, uh, Catherine Warrick is at the Episcopal Church Corner, Clark and Washington. So where were they posting these? I honestly have no idea. It was idea. like a newspaper or they were... Po- well, they the must two, have been yeah. posting them at like the fire station. Yeah. They, the, the police um, and fire department were finding people. And then it sounds like the Tribune would put things in the paper and try to help get people back with one another. Okay. Um, it took me... Honestly, I spent so much time trying to get a list of people who died in the fire. And this is how I came up with the... the I, I found... They had no idea, but they could they could uh, uh, tap a few. Uh, Are you going to talk about what happened to the remains and the bodies? I Do might. You, yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> then I won't ask any questions. It's possible. Okay. Um, and then uh, 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 with this topic, just real fast, uh, there were uh, missing persons, and so they also they uh, put these in the uh, Tribune too. Um, they uh, there was a, a missing persons alert for P. Buchanan from the First Congregational Church. There was a missing persons report for an E. C. Bosford from six hundred nine West Washington. Okay. There was one for Matilda Brown, one thirty two Walnut, and a Mister Bruner, Wells School. Bruner. Uh, B. R. U. N. E. R. Bruner. Okay, Bruner. Um, yeah, I, actually, I just... Um, I'm going to assume none of them made it. I don't know. Uh, I actually truncated this list from... There were, like, tons and tons of people on it, and I just I right. pared you, it down. You picked the names you liked. Cool. Yeah. Well. Um, you might be wondering to yourself what caused uh, the fire. Um, there is the very old story of the O'Leary barn, right? So um, we're going to start there. Okay. So, Catherine O'Leary. The fire could have started when Catherine O'Leary was milking her cow. Oh, no. You know the story? No. What? But everybody knows when you milk a cow too fast, it's going to start a flame. <laughs> Is that true? Hands on fire. Uh, no, that's not true. That's not true. It said the cow kicked <laughs> over a lantern, setting fire to the barn. I know that. I know that part of the okay. story. Well, there's actually a popular song. But, but people don't realize that Catherine O'Leary was actually the um, cow milking champion of the Midwest. Yep. That's not, not true. That's not true. But um, <laughs> there's actually a song called Old Mother Leary uh, based on um, 
the minstrel song Hot Time in the Old Town Tonight. You know that song? Uh, Late one night when we were all in bed, old Mother Lear left a lantern in the shed, and when the cow kicked it over, she winked her eye and said, there'll be a hot time in the old town tonight. That's something you're not going to recover from. That you're song? Ne- no, Catherine O'Leary. Like, you're not... Did she die? She died. Oh, okay. Well, then she not didn't have... Not in the have, fire. She didn't have... Oh. Well, obviously she died, but like... <laughs> <laughs> she didn't die from the fire. So she had to live with the guilt of the fire? Well, here's the thing. She denied that she was doing... That she denied that she... Listen, was... I don't milk cows. And they're like, Catherine, you have that blue ribbon behind right. you that says cow milking champion of Cook County. Well, here's the deal. At the time... <laughs> Um, why she was an easy target. It actually, the, the fire did start in her barn. So it was on her property. And the reason why... It's because she was doing some guy and she kicked, she kicked over the... No, you're such a pervert. Can I just keep speculating? No. Uh, here's the thing. It her was... husband was doing some guy and... <laughs> Are you ready? No. <laughs> I'm sorry. Anyway, um, in stretch 18- it out. I know. In 1871, the Irish uh, Irish sentiment ran, uh, anti-Irish sentiment ran high in Chicago. Oh, yeah. And so with this terrible fire, with all this terrible carnage, with our city being left basically in ashes, um, people thought it was fun and easy to dump the blame on a poor Irish Catholic woman. That's makes me so angry. Yep. Poor Catherine. <laughs> um, I'm sorry I made fun of you, Catherine. Yep. She... Um, Never recovered from the ignominy. Um, she was never charged with anything. Uh, people believed it until she died. Um, and I will say this: uh, better late than never. In 1997, um, uh, the Chicago Committee on Police and Fire uh, exonerated Miss O'Leary completely. Amazing. I mean, there's. You're going to talk about other theories, right? Yep. Okay. Cool. But that poor, poor woman. Um, well, there was a there was a big thing in the in the initial inquiry. They were like, "Who, who milks a cow at night?" Yeah, I was going to say that. <laughs> Spot the no, was number one, like that's not when you milk your cows. You milk your cows bright and early in the morning, um, and but more mostly. Um, it was just a racist thing to do. It's a racist thing to do. Well, xenophobic thing to do. And like... At the time, though, Irish were considered a race. Were they? Yeah. Oh, okay. I mean, now now they are considered right. the white race, but... but, but okay, uh, I'm sorry. Up. No, I apologize. No, no. Um, but, In Chicago, uh, Irish were considered a uh, second-class race. But how... Did, like, for that... Po- I can't even imagine, like, what she had to live with for the rest of her mm-hmm. life. Like, she could, probably couldn't show her face in she town. She could not. She did not come out of her home. She often. became a recluse. Yeah. yeah, that's awful. That's so unfortunate. Did she have children? Well, was her family shamed? Did her family die in the fire? They did not die in the fire. I will say this: um, she. <laughs> yeah, I'm just. I don't mean to laugh about it, but yes, she was a uh, poor Irish Catholic woman. Okay, so yeah, she had kids. Well, yeah, she probably had like seventeen yeah, of them, she had right? A lot of kids. Okay. Um. So here's a second theory, Daniel. Pegleg Sullivan. <laughs> oh, it looks like Daniel. <laughs> <laughs> um, he was the man who first reported the fire. Okay. Right? Wait, did he legitimately have a peg leg? He did. He had a peg awesome. leg. Cool. Um, Not, I mean, it sucks that he lost his leg, but cool that he had a peg leg. Yep, total peg leg. Um, now, he first reported the fire. He said... That he was the first on the scene because he was trying to be a hero. Mm-hmm. He was trying to save animals. 
Um, everyone who knew him though did not believe him uh-huh. and they um they actually said that he probably started the fire trying to steal milk oh oh that's not like daniel <laughs> so daniel pegleg uh sullivan was kind of known as a bad dude so. all right cool louis m cone okay by the way listen to these names they're all like irish and jewish and immigrants so this is where this is where people get a little bit ahead of themselves and being very now we call it xenophobia, but at the time we call it racist. Okay. Um, so people say that Louis M. Cohen might have been in the O'Leary's barn that night. Um, rumor has it that stooping a cow. No. <laughs> <laughs> that there was um uh he led a craps game. Oh. So he late at night would gamble. He would lead it. Uh, uh, not to the O'Leary's liking, but he would sort of tough up mm-hmm. with the with the uh, peeps in the neighborhood and some of the O'Leary's sons, mm-hmm. and they would run a gambling situation out of the barn. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, apparently, when Mrs. O'Leary came out to the barn to chase the gamblers away, they were the ones who knocked over the lantern. Okay. Yeah. So she might have... Done it inadvertently, but not... Right. So she went out to her barn. They were gambling. She said, get out of my barn. Right. And they went away. She was trying to stop illegal activity. Right. And then... She's basically a cop. She (laughs) started the worst thing that could have happened to Chicago. Ever. Ever. Yep. Catherine, it's not your fault, man. Now, here's this weird, weird... Thing that I discovered about the Chicago fire, which I had no idea and I have never heard of before. Mm-hmm. You ready for this? I'm ready. <sighs> this is weird. Um, so here's this other scientific theory. There's this man called, uh, well, he's a physicist. His name is Robert Wood. Mm-hmm. He suggested that the fire began when uh, Bela's comet, that's spelled B-I-E-L-A, Bela's comet, broke up over the Midwest. Okay. So let me tell you just a few things about uh, uh, Robert Wood, which are sort of interesting. His main topics of study were uh, physical optics and spectroscopy. Okay. Um, But he also made substantial contributions to the field of ultrasound as well. Okay. He was uh, one of the first people to photograph sound waves. Oh, okay. Right. Cool. Um, he all, uh, also, the slightly surreal glowing appearance of foliage in infrared photographs is called the wood effect. So he's a big deal. Yeah. And actually, here's a terrible he thing about shit. him. Uh, wood is sometimes credited as the inventor of tear gas. Oh, no. Well, but, but hold on, though. But, but you know this what? This is all to it's... say that physicist Robert Wood knows his shit. Well, right. And the, here's the thing, like... So many of these scientists, like, create terrible things. Oppenheimer. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. like, the dude who created LSD, who did it, like, as... Timothy Leary? Timothy Leary, thank you. Like, Mm -hmm. yeah, like, he created that to be a truth serum, and then the intention was to be a a military... No, Timothy Leary didn't create it. I'm sorry. He fucked around with that. Yeah, but he created, like, the, the scientist who created... LSD created it to be a truth serum for the military, and it became recreational. Recreational, mm-hmm. and that's when Timothy O'Leary comes into play. Yes, um, I'm with you. Yeah, 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 yeah. So a lot of times, this stuff it's it's kind of like 
goes back to, or we could kind of talk about, like, with the um, uh, Winchester rifles as well. Yeah. Or, like, the guy who created the AR-15. It was like, I never intended this for personal use. Yeah. Like, it's always for a, po- like, not a positive thing, but, like, it's... You think a, you're doing something else. You think you're doing something for the government or yeah. the military, and then it becomes a recreational thing. So, we're not going to fault this wood guy yeah, I mean, the only reason I bring it up is just so, so we're aware of his bona fides. Because yeah. at first I was like, maybe this is just a crank. I mean, he's super smart, is what we need to know. And, like, he knows his shit. Yeah. So. That's what you were getting at. Yeah. So that's why I gave this bona fides. Robert bona Wood. Sure, if you want to. <laughs> Sorry. So, which came first, the chicken or the egg, right? So he started Oh, my to God. Th- should we go into it? Because I have no idea. <laughs> I don't well, know. Well, he started to think about it this way. Now. From October 8th to October 10th mm-hmm. in Chicago was the Great Chicago Fire. This is 1871. Now, only only later, and so uh, Dr. Wood was from the 1900s, um, could they? he actually see a pattern? And actually, Chicago was not the only Great Lakes city that had a fire that day. In fact, oh. four cities on Lake Michigan... Or four areas on Lake Michigan had fires at the same time, exactly on the same days. Mind blown. Yeah. So he... Oh, my God. That's incredible. Yeah. So then he, a physicist, decided that maybe... So, okay, we have this whole thing of, like, 1871 immediately. It's like it's like these immigrants caused this fire, right? So right. So the scientist is like, well, um, given that... Four large fires took place all on the same day, all on the shores of Lake Michigan. Maybe there's a root cause. Yeah. So let me mention. Um, so anyway, uh, Bela's comet broke up over the Midwest. So let me mm-hmm. mention these other cities. Holland, Michigan, Port Huron, Michigan, Manistee, Michigan, and Peshtigo, Wisconsin. Is that how you say that? Or is it Peshtigo? Uh, it, it's a, it's a, it's one of those things where it depends on who's saying it. Peshtigo is fine. Peshtigo? Um, Wait, hold on. This is the most fucked up thing I've ever read in my entire life. Do you know the same day of the Chicago fire, Peshtigo, Wisconsin had a fire that killed 1,200 to 2,500 people, charring approximately 1.5 million acres. Did you know that? I did actually know that. You're shaking your head like you knew that. I knew that. Um, no. That's one of those things that, like, I, it's in my brain, like, from many, 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 many years ago of, like, learning that in school. I had no idea. Like, I knew that from learning it, and that's how I know Peshtigo, actually. Um, but it's, like, I it was back there, and I you said it, and as soon as you started talking about it, I was like, oh, my God. That happened same same day. Same day. Hold I on, didn't, I say but I don't think I ever knew it. it was the same day. I don't. I, this is all. New I to just me. knew that like they had a huge fire and it like killed like all of their crops and like oh, all their land. Yeah, so many people. Yeah, eyewitnesses reported this is at Peshtigo. Eyewitnesses reported uh, setting spontaneous ignitions with mm-hmm. lack of smoke, balls of fire falling from the sky, and blue flames. Uh, according to Wood, who's that physicist that I was talking about, these Accounts suggest that the fires were caused by the methane that is uh, commonly found in comets. It makes so much sense when all of those places were hit. So interesting. It's so interesting. And I, yeah, I've never heard that before. I had not That's heard that either. Unbelievable. And here's, here's the only way I would dispute 
that that is accurate Mm -hmm. is simply the fact that people at that time, if they would have fall, if they would have seen anything falling from the sky, it would have been reported. They would have been like, I saw flames coming from the sky. Don't you think? Well, they may not have. Especially like I mean, in, no a ru- knew, especially no in a rural area like in Michigan and Wisconsin. I feel like... Well, that's what they... In Peshtigo, they said they saw things falling from the sky. So, but... Now in Chicago, no one saw anything Nobody saw anything. And that's the only but thing also, that makes me wonder, like... We had those this fire happen? whirls. True, true. That's uh, true. The fire was much more intense than they could get control of. Yeah. Went from building to building, lit the river on fire. The, the, the river lit the rest of the city on fire, so... Right. It isn't... I'll say this about Chicago. This is the first time I've heard this, and so I ain't saying it's true. Right. But I will say, like, Catherine O'Leary milking her cow, tipping over a lamp, or Daniel Pegleg Sullivan uh, trying to steal milk and tipping over a lamp, or or Louis M. Cohn running a Caps game and tipping over a lamp. Um, You have this other one. Which is kind of fascinating. It's it's very fascinating, and I think it's more realistic, honestly, in the way of the damage that it could do than one barn fire. Like, it, and, and by the way, it was just a barn fire. And let me let me say this. Um, sorry. Yeah. Uh, I'm apologizing because I slept Jay's paper <laughs> out of her hand. Well, so you probably um, thought that she just spilled more wine on my couch. Nope, I just slapped the sheet out of her hand. <laughs> um, I will say this, just because I, I grew up in a rural environment and, like, uh, barn fires, w- one summer when I was a kid, barn fires were really prevalent. Um, and one of my uncles was actually a local, like, volunteer firefighter. And he, like, got really into it. Um, and and I hope that he doesn't have any damage from it. But, like, he barn fires are terrible. Um, because it's a weird enclosed area sure. and there's, um, hay in there. Like everything, everything's flammable in a barn. Everything. Yeah. Well, there's another theory too that I, but, 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 wait, but, but, my but, sheet. but, but, wait, hold on. Is that it might've been spontaneous combustion of hay. Okay. So, but let me say this, like it's the, the reality that a barn fire could have started this is totally realistic because the heat that comes off of it and it takes these guys and this isn't like when i was growing up this was in like 1993 or something when we were having all these fires and they had the access to like fire hoses and all this stuff um excuse me um (laughs) but uh your excuse they they still really struggled with it because it's so it's a because there's only one door that's yeah. a problem. Like, there all, there's only, like, one... There's more than one door. But, like, everything kind of, like, the oxygen and all that stuff. So it's possible that this happened. But the idea that, like, a comet could have caused something like this makes so much more sense to be able to be, like, to spread it that quickly and for it to be... Move that fast and, like, be in all these different areas. And, and that's fascinating. It's really cool. It's interesting. And honestly, I'd never heard of that before. At all. I don't think it's cool that people died. I think it's just like a cool thing that like <laughs> no, a, I know. a comet could have like. I was research and I was like, I ran across this one little line. You know how you know how deep into shit I got. Yeah. I ran across this one little line and I was like, wait, the what? The comet what? And then I did like, I went down maybe like a two hour thing about that guy. Yeah, right. Because it's incredible. Yeah. Um. So let's talk about ghosts. Hey, 51 minutes in. <laughs> <laughs> now that's a record for me. 
um, meaning I got to it super fast. Um, <laughs> but if you've ever been paying attention to what I'm saying, um, this is Jay, of course, speaking, is that all of this, all this calamity, all this mayhem, all this fire, everything probably led to ghosts. Ghost stuff. Um, when people die in, in, in incredibly surprising, dramatic, and intense ways, there is um, uh, resonant energy. Yes. So, um, I've got a couple ghost stories to tell. Shan't take long. Um, here's the thing that happened after the fire of 1871. We already talked about the Palmer Hotel. Uh, Chicago got rebuilt fast. Very fast. Fast, fast, fast. Um, they got rid of all that wood. In fact, it was like when, when the fire kind of happened, people thought, okay, we're purging Chicago of what it used to be. It used mm-hmm. to be kind of like vermin and nasty, and now we're going to like have good structures. Um, By the 1890s, we had skyscrapers, and like this was a this was a city with a capital boom city. Boomtown. Mm-hmm. Real, a true boomtown, finally. So uh, Chicago became um, this like bustling mecca. Big buildings were erected and population exploded. And, except for Chicagoans at that time still felt the past. Chicagoans between 1871, year of the fire, and 1900 believe the entire downtown was haunted by frightened ghosts. Oh. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. For a few decades after the fire, as Chicago was being rebuilt, residents and construction workers... Uh, swore that they could see people running and shouting fire. Um, many of these people, uh, many of these reports of fire were checked into, um, but there was never this mystery fire that people had uh, said was happening. Um, people report seeing uh, people jumping from buildings, um, but no bodies were ever found. So the police would look for um, these Bodies, but uh, yep, they never found anybody. And then finally, <clears throat> people would report clear visions of chaotic human activity one second, meaning the fire and everything that went around in it, and the next second, they would claim the entire vision had vanished. So, this next story is about the uh, Holy Family Church, and this is kind of a weird one. Um, the Holy Family Church at the corner of Roosevelt Road and May Street did not burn. Um, the endurance of Holy Family Church was deemed a mystery, except for the parishioners think it was a miracle. The flames simply seemed to cut a path around the beautiful building, leaving it unscathed. But at the time, the parishioners thanked Holy Mary... Um, and some of them um, even thanked uh, the spirits of two children who had recently passed away for protecting the church. That's kind of interesting. How did they thank them? Uh, well, or how did, I'm sorry, not how did they thank them. How did the children help them? They, I don't, these two kids allegedly passed away. And, and I mean, you know, it's a. It doesn't say. They just. They're two creepy kids in the church. <laughs> I don't think they thought they were creepy. I think I would think they, they had just recently Sorry. passed away. They were like a prominent family in that church, mm-hmm. and they, for all their sadness and um, all their all the sadness at the kids dying and all the glee that their church having survived, they just linked these two events together and thought these two boys saved their parish. Okay, so they were were they? They maybe thought they, these dead boys were angels. Got it. Were they the only two kids that died, or did they actually recognize them as two? Well, they didn't indivi- die in the fire. 
Oh, oh, right. Okay. Yeah, so Holy Family Church thought that these children who had recently died earlier in the summer. I'm sorry, you said all of these things, and I missed it. That's okay. Because I was daydreaming about fine. not sad things. <laughs> I'm so kidding. they thought they thought I'm the, listening to everything you're saying. Yeah, I know. They they <laughs> either thought the Virgin Mary saved them or these um two children um who had recently passed away. Both realistic. Yep. Uh, and the Holy Family Church was like just as shoddy as the rest of Chicago. I mean right. it was like made of like wooden chip. Mm-hmm. Got a couple more. Um, the Chicago Water uh, Tower and Pump Station. They're still there. Yep. They did not burn down. Uh, during the fire, a worker stayed behind in the tower uh, instead of fleeing. He tirelessly manned the pumps until he found there was nothing more he could do. So, okay. So, the pumps. So, there was something. Yes. There was some supply that they were, okay, that, that, that pumped the hoses. Yeah. Okay. Uh, it didn't go very far. I mean, you know. Right. But there's something. Yeah. Um... He, he and a friend. This this particular thing I'm talking about doesn't mention his friend, but there's a lot of different versions of this. They actually covered the Chicago water tower and the pump station. They covered the um, roofs, I guess roofs, in uh, water. Oh, so they were okay. they were pretty smart. Um. Anyway, he stayed there until the bitter end. Um. And when he finally saw the raging fire uh, uh, coming at him, um, he was at the top of the, the water tower. Mm-hmm. He decided to hang himself rather than burn to death. Oh, man. Oh. And this is actually a ghost sighting that has been oh. seen to current day, from 1871 to current yeah. day, um, in on Michigan Avenue, Michigan Avenue, from the Chicago water tower. Um, uh People can see the hanging man from the street. Oh, really? Have you heard this story? No, I haven't. They can see him in the window hanging. And actually, in modern times, um, meaning now, uh-huh. uh, the police have been called. It's in the pump house or it's in like the mall? It's, it's in the architectural water tower. No, not, the mall wasn't there. Right. Okay. That's, but the, oh, but the, but the old, but the old building. Because yeah. there's the architectural water tower and the pump house. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tower. Okay. Uh, yeah. People can look up into the window and they'll see um, oh. the resonant energy of a hanging man. Okay. They freak out. They call the police. Um, the police have actually, <laughs> they had a police officer in one thing go on record. They've heard this story so many times, but they still have to go and, and inspect. Because they've got the call. Yeah, so they just have in case to. it's a copycat or whatever. Right. Um, but so they go, they they inspect the site, they enter the building, and there's um, no evidence of a break-in. And then they find no evidence of a hanging man. Um, I will post these online. People have taken pictures of the hanging man. Really? Uh, yeah. Cool. If you look up Chicago's most haunted, Chicago Water Tower comes up. Not the not the mall. <laughs> I know. I know. I'm sorry. Yeah, that was no, a dumb okay. thing to say. No, I knew exactly the structure you were talking about. And yeah, like, yeah. Um, uh, Chicago Water Tower often comes in one or two of, the, of Chicago's most haunted places. Right. Okay. And our final place is um, Excalibur Nightclub. No longer there. I mean, the, the building's the, there. But the, the building is there. <clears throat> it's been a dance hall, and it was a different... It was it was the castle, the, the last iteration. And by dance hall, you mean club. Club! <laughs> I, do, I do mean that. So Excalibur is actually one of the most haunted places in Chicago. And most of the time, people don't really uh, understand why, and they attribute it to different things. Um, we always thought that... We thought it was the, the boat. The Eastland disaster. <laughs> it was you. not. The boat thing. Um... 
Actually, um, so Excalibur Nightclub was it, um, first erected in 1865 to accommodate the Chicago Historical Society, which was a fireproof building. Which means not fireproof at all. <laughs> yeah. And so we mentioned this, and I, I, I mentioned this in um, episode four, the Eastland disaster. But it's but we're we're maybe thirty episodes past that, so I should talk about it again. Um, so uh, Excalibur Nightclub, which used to be the Chicago Historical Society at the time of eighteen seventy one, uh, was supposed to be able to withstand fire. So many wealthy Chicagoans um, already kept their valuables there, like a bank. Yeah. Um, but it was more like a Swiss bank then, right? <laughs> So here's the problem. When the city went up in flames in October of 1871, hundreds of people, uh, well, there's two things that happened. Hundreds of people sought shelter inside the building because it was supposed to be fireproof. Fireproof. And then uh, the Richie Riches uh, ran to the building to get their shit because they were like, we got to get our shit. Right. So they went to get all their- I need my emeralds. Yeah. They all need to get their Richie Rich stuff. Yeah. Um, well, wait, wait, let's take a time out. Yeah. What would you save if you, if your place went up in fire right now? You. Well, obviously, but. <laughs> That's it. I would just save you. No, but if I wasn't here. I don't care about anything. You would just go. Yeah. What if you were like in your, your PJs and, uh, you like, would you just run out in your pajamas braless? Like, would you go? Yeah. Okay. You would, like, there's nothing of value. No. Okay. You know me. I'm not sentimental in any way, shape, or form. I know. I know. I'm just curious. You take anything you want for it. I really, it just doesn't. Okay. I'm the youngest of three kids, and no one remembered my name when I was a kid. I I just, uh, no, I just didn't know if, like, there was any, like, one possession. And I know that's a really personal question to ask, but I'm just, I'm curious. Nope. Because that's something that, like. What about you? I don't know. Like, I think about, I've thought about it before. I mean, you take your family. Well, of course. Um, and my cat. Like, I'd get my cat. Yeah. I mean, I would take but like, I, all my people and all my love and get out. But, like, like. But, but your, like, your, like, objects. Like. Not a mooch. There's nothing. Yeah, in, like, you'd take all the beings and, nothing like. Nothing in this house that I want. Yeah. The th- that's the thing. Like, I've thought about that before. Like, what's something that, like, I must, must have that I can't replace? And it's, I'm like, the worst person to ask these questions to. In fact, it was an icebreaker maybe, like, two weeks ago. We had that, a similar question. Uh-huh. It was kind of like, what is the most important object to uh, to you, and what would you do for it? And I was like, uh, nothing. Right. But here's... A, I just, but, I don't have any attachment to things. Which is nice, because when I die and I become a ghost, I will have no attachment to, quote, quote, things. Yeah. No, that's great. So I won't have object transference. Here's, here's the You're other... You're welcome, people who know me. No, here's the other side of that. Because I, I, I can easily, like, start over again. Like, there's nothing that I can think of off the top of my head that I'm like, I must live without this. But last night... Um, after I had been gone for traveling for quite a while for work, my husband was like, I have to show you a problem in our closet. And I was like, okay. And he point, he's like, there's this large shoe rack here that is completely full. And then there is overflow from more shoes. And three of them are, three pairs are mine. <laughs> oh, Noah. 
And I was like, I don't understand what the problem is. And he was like, what are you going to do about this? Basically telling me to get rid of some shoes. And I was like, I might need all of these. (laughs) So in the present, I'm like, no, man, I have to have all of this because I need variety. But in in face with a fire or a crisis, I'm like, meh, we'll start over. Yeah. I, I have homeowner's insurance. <laughs> what? <laughs> what are you going to do? I have homeowner's insurance. <laughs> I'm kidding. Homeowners. Homeowners. Uh, jokes. <laughs> uh, who are you sponsored by tonight? Uh, Bodegas, Belagrano, Malbec. Yeah. Done a good job. It's killing it. Um, I just have a few more things to say about this. Um, The caretaker of that particular building, the Excalibur Nightclub, if you don't remember, where the old Chicago historical site used to be, which was, of course, fireproof, um, threw himself out of a second story window uh, and died. Of Excalibur? Uh Uh-huh. Okay. Yeah, he was the caretaker. And um, he, yeah, he was trying to get away from the fire. He died. That's awful. Um, there are also reports of three very rich women running into the flames to save their things, and they all died. We talked about that in the Eastland disaster. Yeah. yeah. Um, probably most of the old-timey ghosts that people claim to see at Excalibur were Chicago Fire ghosts. But what about the boy? There's a boy that they see. I don't, you know, honestly, people see is what they want to see. Uh, people always associate that boy with the Eastlands, and he's not. So, dunno. It's interesting to me, just in the simple fact I mean, that... there could have been a boy. I mean, honestly, that boy. I mean, hundreds, maybe that... Listen, hundreds of people went to that yeah. building because they thought it was fireproof. It's kind of like, um, when I was a kid in East Central Illinois, we would go to the hallway of my uh, middle school to uh, do uh, tornado drills. Mm-hmm. I mean... So <laughs> it's some form of resonant energy or like yeah. some little boy. But like, but that's the, if you're not familiar with Excalibur and like the, the ghost stories, people see all sorts. Of they things. see all sorts of things. They see but sailors the, and little girls and little boys. But, the con- lavender. but I feel like the constant is the little boy. Okay. That's at least as far as like the stuff that I've like seen and read about it. I'm not going to shut you down. I'm not saying he's not there. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Yeah. There's a boy. And and that could be I mean, that's a that that's an old building. Yeah. Eighteen sixty five to now is is Well and it could, could be, be anybody. It could be yeah, that's the thing. Like it could he could come from much further like much, much earlier. Further back. Yeah. Yeah, we talked about that when we talked about the Bullerbrook. Right. There's no reason to believe that just because this building was bu- built in eighteen sixty five right. that couldn't be a ghost from sixteen sixty five. Exactly. Um I only have uh, two more things. Um, when Excalibur was a nightclub, patrons and employees uh, said they would witness strange apparitions. Uh, they say that people would be pushed down the stairs. Living people would be pushed down the stairs by uh, invisible forces. And this fits nicely wait, into were my they, narrative. Wait, hold on. Were they drunk? Yeah. I mean, really. <laughs> They're they were probably just like at Excalibur and drunk. <laughs> I mean, that's the only reason to go there. Um, Sorry, go ahead. This fits nicely into my narrative. Uh, (laughs) It's my last ghost story. Um, One lonely candle located too high up on the wall for employees to reach (laughs) would light itself. It would light itself. (laughs) That's ridiculous. 
Can't explain that. Yeah, I don't believe that. But uh, I like Who's got the really long match today? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, when I saw that, I was like, well, I have to I have to include it in my story and that's stupid. Who's in charge of the extra long match? Oh, man. <laughs> the boy, the boy, the boy. Um, oh, that's too funny. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for listening to High Spirits. Uh our show tonight has been about the Chicago Fire of 1871, which was um, uh, just a terrible tragedy that hit uh, good old <laughs> Chicago. Just a terrible tragedy. Yeah. Um, this is a show called High Spirits. I'm Jay Segman. This is my friend. Noelle Schmidt. Uh, tonight, she's been drinking. Bodegas Filgrano Malbec. Yeah. I didn't hear what she said. It's uh, from Ar- Argentina. Argentina. That's right. Sh- wait. You know what I stopped doing? No. Other than giving taglines, which I'm going to come back to. I stopped giving <laughs> the percentages of the wine. Oh. Okay. This one doesn't list it. That can't be right. Okay. You do well, your thing. Yeah, you do you. Um, but I have been um, sponsored by Misfit IPA right here out of Chicago Wild Onion Brewery. Um, thank you so much for listening to the show. If you want to get a hold of us, uh, check mm-hmm. us out on High Spirit Chicago mm-hmm. Facebook, High Spirit mm-hmm. Chicago Podcast uh, on SoundCloud, and High Spirit Chicago Podcast on iTunes. You can also email us at highspiritchicago at gmail.com. And my friend Noelle has one terrible, nasty ass thing to say to you. Sweet dreams.